We're going to change gears, I guess, I guess it would call it. Right now. I was prepared to speak out of James, because I think this is a, um, a smaller group than usual. I feel like um, we're going to switch to the subject of contentment, being at peace with God. Um, very familiar passages have been coming to me this morning at probably about just before the service started. I was thinking about Matthew 6, and then I was thinking about Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and down to that, and then First Timothy. And it all ties together with this theme, being content. And, and you know, I don't always claim to have it always together. <laughs> I want to know who it, who does. We are tested at times. We are tested. And but I I believe I believe in the deposits that you're putting into your bank, so to speak, your spiritual bank. I've mentioned this maybe some way back, but. It's, it's necessary. You may not need so much. Maybe you're doing pretty good right now, but sometimes we forget the day might come when we need to make a withdrawal. And so to speak, when, we, when you're in the Word every day, when, you, when, you're, when you're seeking in spite of whatever is going on, it's just a part of you. It's what you do. It's who you are. It's 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 you and God. It's it's relational. It's 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 living. The Word of God is living in you, uh, actively. And I think, uh, for me, uh, the older I get, the more I need know I need Him. That's a good thing. The older I get, the more I know I need Him, because uh, um, we're not to stay in the same level. We're to go from level to level to level. To, you just keep going. Um, and that doesn't always mean that it will become easy. Sometimes we, are, we pray the price, or we, so to speak, we are, we're called sometimes to go through heavy burdens and trials, and that's not easy. But there is encouragement. There is encouragement. There is hope at the end of this life. There is hope because Jesus Christ lives. And if any of, uh, if any of us would... Uh, have just a glimpse, and I think we, by faith we see in the glory already, but if we could just have a glimpse of the glory, we would be changed so powerfully, so quick, so, so real. And so when Jesus was on the earth, he was walking, demonstrating heaven, the kingdom. He was demonstrating the kingdom of God to earthly people. And oftentimes they did not understand uh, heavenly principles but he would try to relate to them in their own language, speak their own language, then speak and try to weave into their lives. And in Matthew 6, we, we read the words of Jesus, verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or for your body to what you shall put on, and life is more than food. And he just summed up the uh, food, our food and water and covering. He just summed up the basic necessities of this life. 
the basic necessities of this life are boiled down to these three kinds of things, and Paul will talk to Timothy later on, and we'll maybe get to that. But Jesus gives illustration because it was, I've, I've been reading this missionary book, too, by our friends Calvin and Miriam Olson, who, who lived in their time, their era of mission work in Bangladesh, and their uh, height of their ministry there was probably in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And uh, Calvin was a man of prayer. Miriam was a, man, a woman of prayer. They were, they were both mightily used by God, but it was not easy with, with everyday things that would, uh, they would go through. They would go through opposition. They would be faced by demonic power. They would be faced with uh, people that would not uh, like them, and they would be persecuted in some ways. One of the chapters I read just lately was Miriam was, would watch out of her window when she'd become actually kind of depressed over all the poverty that she began to see in the Bangladesh area. She would see people coming to the dump and looking for food and looking for anything that would help them in their living. And she began to feel like she was so depressed. Of what, what, there's so many, Lord, there's so many millions and that were uh, living in that kind of conditions. And it was like the Lord said to her, don't worry about it. You cannot handle all that, all those people. You only handle the ones that I give to you, that I send to you, that I put in your lives. The ones that come into your home, the ones that are in your life, then you, you can handle them. But see, I think we get caught up. I think we can get overwhelmed with all the need. And there's so much, there's so many needs that we don't have to look very far. When Jesus has something for us to consider as he begins to lead on into this portion, look at the birds, look at, you know, you've read this, I'm sure, and they do not sow, they neither do they reap, nor they gather into the barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. He's promised to take care of you and I. He's promised to take care of our needs. That doesn't mean we, did, we do not have to work because we told it's a part of his, uh, uh, his strategy, it's a part of his who he is, that we're called to do something when Gadab and Eve were planted in the garden, they were to take care of the garden. And it's kind of established in throughout Scripture uh, that we are called to do work. But our work should never take the place of our becoming the provider, but God is a provider. He provides often through our workplace and through our job. But God is ultimately through the provider. So by worrying about what happens is when we worry and we're anxious about, we get worse. We get worse. And we get we get more tension. It gets more. We begin to add to our, our our anxiety and we get overwhelmed. So Jesus is laying out a simple strategy plan plan for us. This is like this is almost like what would you say would be uh, the the, the uh, first. Uh, Addition or first addition, um, uh, I'm trying to say is like class block one or whatever. It's the basics of Christianity. If he gets down to verse uh, 33 and he says, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Well, what does that look like? I begin to look at this verse. And I begin to think, if I must seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, there's a promise 
He says, all these things shall be added to you. What are, the, what, are the, what are the things? He was just talking about your food and your clothing and your health and all the basics of life will take care of themselves. We will seek him first. If we'll choose to trust in God, if we'll look for ways that will please him, if we will love God first, if we'll put God in, his, in the proper place and perspective of our heart, he will add. We are born with this problem. It's called a sin nature. And it's called, it, it, it begins to work in our life because Without God, we are never satisfied at all. We're always wanting more to somehow feel better. And so I know that God blesses and he wants, I think he wants to bless us and we, we don't want to get caught up in just looking for the blessings of God. But the real blessing of God is that God is dwelling in you and I. And that we live with this kind of a, a lifestyle and that we walk together no matter what happens today, no matter what comes along the way, no matter if the, if the, if the, if the place burns down. We had friends lately that they lost their house to fire and, and yet God is, I believe, going to speak to them and, and going to call them to trust. And already we've seen people responding. God will use circumstances that happen in our life and I don't believe God always causes everything to happen that may be seemingly bad to us it's that God allows them to happen because we live in a fallen world we live in a sinful nature a sin filled world there's going to be trials blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake theirs is the kingdom of God I'm anxious when I'm anxious, I'm really leaning on myself. It really comes down. When I'm anxious, I begin to surmise how it's going to happen through my own strength and ability. And that's why I become anxious. But to be anxious for nothing, as Philippians says in Philippians chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, to be anxious for nothing but with prayer and supplication he calls us to let our requests be made known unto God. Philippians 4. With thanksgiving, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that tell us? That each of us has a battle that can take place in our mind. That things can well up, things can get out of, basically out of control. Because we begin to think in our own strength. But the secret here is to go to God, be anxious for nothing. Let, let God know our request. Let God know what's on your heart. Express your, uh, actually by coming to the Lord with thanksgiving. It's almost like that the prerequisite of what we ought to do, be thankful before we ever ask God for anything. Be thankful for what I already have. God, you have saved me. You have called me. You have plucked me out. You have redeemed me. 
I have so much to be thankful. I am rich in the Lord. And then he says to think on the things that are honorable, good, and excellent. It really is a mind, a spirit, a, a, a state of mind set. Do I see the glass half full or half empty? Can I see the good in the person or do I only see that which is negative? Am I choosing to somehow be, make things better than they were before? Paul was a man who was plucked out on a path that was totally against God. You understand the story. God showed up and has intervened in his life. All of us have people that we care about that we're praying that God will intervene, will show up, present himself in such a way. That may be through another person. That may be through circumstance. That may be just by a dream. That may be by some kind of setback, whatever it may be. The ultimate goal is that people will move toward God. God will move toward them. The church needs to be a, a, a group of people that are that have come to only be satisfied that which comes from God. Only to be satisfied with the real thing. That we cannot settle for anything that looks like God or somehow it just, just it seems like it's right, but really what it is. What is it? And we've come to understand, even though it cost, Paul was a person who was not afraid of uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was not afraid to step into the fire. I mean, believe it, uh, you read it in the book of Acts, it was so often he was up against uh, men who uh, were, were ready to destroy him. And uh, several times he was able to escape by the grace of God. But as you read on in the Philippians uh, chapter 4, he said, I learned to be content. Something is something to be said at verse 11. I learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That that is a challenging verse for me. I learned I learned to be content. I, I, I didn't just arrive, but throughout every circumstance, though it was maybe similar to one or the other, but was similar similar uh, things that would bring me back to the, the real basic that which I have need of is God. I, I, I don't know if Paul was ever uh, to a place where he was ready to, he, he, it never seems to suggest that he was ready to quit. No. In fact, when he didn't get to preach when he was in the cells, he wrote we have much of the New Testament because God used a vessel that had time on his hands. You wonder, could God, yeah, God sees way beyond and sees, could see us here today gleaming from the words, the word of God that was written through a vessel named Paul. So you never know. You never know how God is going to use your circumstances to further the kingdom 
And when we think about the kingdom, it will be worth it all. The kingdom will advance. His kingdom is coming to the earth. His kingdom is going to rule and reign forever. It starts now. The church of Jesus Christ is in a different kingdom than the world. We are in a different, we, we march to a different set of rules. And rules, so to speak, come from within a relationship with God. And it comes from a conviction. It's who you are. It's your value system. It's what really matters. The house burnt down, but we're still alive. And we still can recover. And God is somehow going to, to bring us through. Wow. That's contentment. Wow. Contentment comes. As the Old Testament writer, I believe it was Habakkuk, he says, though there's no oxen in the manger, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will praise him. You may not, it may not be what you thought it was going to be, but I will praise him. The people that have, have stood out the most often are people who have gone through the fire. They've gone through things only they and God know and understand. And so how are we going to get to the next level? We're going to trust him. We're going to seek him. We're going to trust on not our own understanding. We're going to, we're going to say as if with Paul, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means. There's something to be said about being satisfied with the, the basics in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. He, he often was without food, without uh, having enough, both of having abundance. You see, here's, here's a swing. He swing the pendulum the other way. What if God blessed you more and more than you ever really needed? It's almost like a test of your heart then to say, well, we're going we're gonna to share this. And God can do that. God, God has it all. He owns it all anyway. And so he gives to us times that we have blessed. And Paul is saying, even when I have had more, I, I learn to be content. Not to set my heart on it. Because the psalmist said, when, don't set your heart on money because it has wings. It flies away. You know what Paul was more interested here in this passage? And you get down further, he said, I, I don't seek, verse 7, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. What gets, what's getting Paul excited is that the church is understanding the principle of giving and they're giving out of even out of their need. Yet, it's a it's a trusting God. And he goes on and he 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 quotes and we we quote this so often. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. All your needs, all your needs, all your needs. What is it that you have need of today? 
what is it that we really need? I need a heart with passion, with tender toward God. I need to have a heart that understands that it's through the grace of God. I need to have a heart that is thankful and that I can give praise in spite of how I may even feel. I need to have a heart who will, will listen and will receive the things that God has spoken. Let us have hearts. Let us be content. And then we, we, we discover also that the other passage that I quoted, uh, mentioned, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And Paul, again, is mentoring a young pastor, Timothy. And of all all the ups and downs. Thank God for Timothy's. Sometimes God gives to us a person, so to speak, that becomes like your right arm. And not only for yourself, but to mentor and pour into them. Who, who are you and I pouring our life into? Is there one person you can think of that possibly this is the time for you to mentor. And so Paul is, everyone everyone's reached a place where we need a Timothy, and, and Timothy's need you. And they're, they're, grow, they're, they're the people that are trying to, trying to they're, they're, they're zealous, they're, they're, they're on the right track, but they just, they just need someone to believe it. They need someone to pray with. They need someone to listen. They need someone sometimes to just give them encouragement when he goes on in verse 6, 1 Timothy, godliness actually is a means of great content. Godliness. I find the more I seek God, the less I really need. How does that work? The more I seek God, really the, the only thing that really matters if it's all taken away is my relationship with him. It's just, it's just boil it down. What, what is it profit about Jesus said to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That he was reflecting on eternity. Oh my word. Think about all the people. Think about all the people in this community. God has placed around us and in us and through through our through our our, our neighborhoods people who maybe seemingly have a successful have been successful yet without God it's, it doesn't matter you don't you don't have to you you can you can carry everything and down to one one thing you can boil it all down to this one thing the only thing that matters is when my time has come is that I have walked with God and he dwells in me and we walk together and he has guided me and we're going to just step into eternity and become uh, even more open understanding we shall be like him and see him as he is. Uh, but until then, here's what he, it comes down to. Verse 7, we brought nothing into the world. 
You're going to leave just as you, you came. We, we come into this world with nothing. And then it said, we're going to leave. We're not going to bring anything. You've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You've heard that. Says, There's nothing we bring except possibly we could say we bring people. And we influence others for the gospel's sake. Those who want, they said, well, food and covering, these are, we shall be content if we have those two things, food and covering. Uh, what, those who want to get rich, the, 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 the problem here is not the riches, it's a matter of heart. Those who had set their life's goal to get rich, and that's all they think about, that's all they uh, uh, work for is to get rich so that someday when they're rich, they'll be happy. Is that the way it works? Really? The happiest people are people who give it away and learn to share. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation. The old enemy is still up to his old tricks. Is trying to snare us. Harmful desire would plunge men into ruin, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Some who are longing for it have wandered away from the faith. The problem is that whatever, whatever else takes the place of our devotion, of our heart being filled with God, becomes an idol. Love God with all your heart all your soul, all your strength. And so when I find myself worrying, if I'm worrying, if then sometimes I'll worry a bit, how it's all going to work out. Sometimes we worry about our kids. Sometimes we worry about uh, their futures. And, oh, it, it just goes on and on and on if we, if we let it. But we've got to pull ourselves back into God. You know what? You are in control. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to pray. I'm going to love. I'm going to reach out. I'll do. I'll give. I'll give what I can. But ultimately, God is in control of the family. God is in control of people. It's hard sometimes to let go. Be encouraged. We serve the great shepherd. The greatest shepherd who knows you more than you know yourself. He knows your kids more than you know your kids. The hard part sometimes is seeing other people suffer. That's hard. When you wish they wouldn't have to suffer, that's a hard one. God watched his own son suffer was not easy. Well, there's a difference when there's an eternal perspective, kingdom of God in view. If I will seek him first, I will learn to be content. If I will learn to To hear what he's saying. Seek me and you will find me. Knock and it shall be opened. 
My children, my sheep hear my voice. You see? My children hear my voice. I want you to be encouraged today that we're in this life for a really short time. Billy Graham, amazing. But the God he served, it was so evident. We could talk about, we may even show some, some of the things that we've been watching just to give us some t- time to honor. We don't have to try to be like a Billy Graham. You be yourself. God has planted you right where you are right now. And he's going to use you. And he is using you. And no matter where you go, there's so many needs. No matter where you go, there will always be people that are hurting, that are, are, are struggling. And, and what do we do? How do we respond? We need to just be led by him. The Lord will let you know. The Lord will lay it on your heart. And when the Lord lays it on your heart, it becomes special because it becomes something that which God is, it's a God thing. It becomes something that is, that is almost like an offering to the Lord that you bring when you choose to bless someone else, when you choose to, to listen to someone else, or you choose to be sensitive to His Holy Spirit. All in all, we come down, we boil it all down to this one thing, that we need Him, we need Him. We need him every day. We need him every moment. We need him every hour. Whatever we're going through this day, wherever you're at, it's always a new opportunity. Just trust in him. Trust in him. Before we sing this next song, we're going to pray. and We're going to ask the Lord. We're just going to give him thanks. We're going to bring our, our hearts to the Lord again. We bring it to you, Lord, right now. Our thoughts that are, are sometimes we are thinking are many, many things that are coming to us. But help us to sift through, help us to sort out that which, that which is from you and that which is not from you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. I pray you'll give strength to each and every one today, Lord, in a new way, in a fresh way, God. Give strength to their hearts, O Lord, and they believe, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we believe. You're the Son of God. You're the one who come to redeem us. We believe, Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We declare you. The enemy cannot get to us because Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus, is applied to the heart. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord.